0: Good morning and welcome. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. My name's Craig and I am the senior pastor here and it's our privilege to have you with us. Um, Though if we could get a few of you to stay home, I had a hard time finding a seat this morning, so uh, maybe next week if just a couple, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, sort of kidding, I'm kidding, seriously. We're so glad to have you with us. What a wonderful uh, crowd this morning as we've gathered together to worship Lord Jesus Christ. A couple of things I would like to mention by way of announcement. As you see, Vacation Bible School starts really as soon as service is over today. We don't have kids coming in until tomorrow, but um, classrooms will be transformed as soon as service is over. Everything that's up here on the stage, I think, is going uh, away-ish. A lot of things. So uh, if you would like to help out, if you don't have a place to be, if you'll find Rhonda Adams afterwards, she will give you a job to do, I promise. Uh, A lot of you will go and eat some lunch or something and come back. The church building will be open all afternoon uh, so that you can come and decorate your classrooms or whatever needs to be done. But just know that this place will be transformed in the next uh, few hours. And then over the course of the next week, we will have a few hundred kids who will be here uh, every night for the next week being exposed to the love of Jesus here and the gospel. So uh, just thank you for all of you that are already planning to participate. If you haven't signed up to volunteer and you're interested, you can find uh, April Garbade or Rhonda Adams afterward. And if you don't know who that is, find one of the staff and we'll point you in the direction of them, but we'll get you signed up. If, do me this favor, all right, listen, if you are one of our people, right, that means if you're here or if you're listening online and your kid is coming tomorrow and you haven't registered online, shame on you. Shame, please, please do us the favor of registering online so that all that paperwork can get printed, and it'll be a little bit easier tomorrow evening. So, um, but if you are a guest, we're so glad to have you with us. Uh, there are other things that are listed in our bulletin that you can see. There are some T-shirts for kids for BBS that are for sale. Back there, if you want to get your kids a shirt, there's also staff t-shirts. If you haven't picked those up yet, they're all labeled back there with your names on it. All the other things are in the bulletin, so please pay attention to those things. But VBS is the big thing that's dominating. Uh, we also have one of our folks that's away this, uh, this week helping do a VBS in Latvia. So um, y'all pray for Jason McCaskill as he's away. And then we have four other folks who are leaving at the end of this week who are headed to Scotland, to do some ministry there. Uh, so uh, y'all pray for those teams as they are away. All right. It's a lot, I know. We're in the book of Acts chapter 7. I should have told you that before I started talking, shouldn't I? Acts chapter 7. We're going to begin reading in Acts chapter 7, verse 44. So I'm going to ask you if you would. I'm going to give you a minute to turn. I'm going to be patient. But in a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand. So if you would, go ahead and stand with me in honor of God's word. We're going to read Acts chapter 7, verse 44 through 53. Now listen, we're going to kind of cover the whole idea of what happens in Acts all of Acts 7, but we're going to do so just reading a few of the verses. Acts 7 is Stephen's speech um, after he's been arrested. They basically give him an opportunity here. And Stephen, rather than recanting everything, Stephen uses this as an opportunity to proclaim the gospel, knowing full well that in doing so, he's putting his life on the line. And so we pick up sort of at the end of Stephen's speech, beginning in verse 44. The Bible says this, Our fathers had the tent of witness in the wilderness just as he who spoke to Moses directed him to make it according to the pattern that he had seen. Our fathers in turn brought it in with Joshua when they dispossessed the nations that God drove out before our fathers. So it was until the days of David who found favor in the sight of God and asked to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? Then watch Stephen right here. You stiff-necked people. Uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels did not keep it. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would convict us this morning through the proclamation of your word. That you would challenge us and change us, move among us, send your Spirit to work within us. We pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Please be seated. Why do you resist the Spirit? You know, a lot of times we got to be careful that we don't miss something. I got in late last night, really late, but on the way home we were listening to the Braves game And We were very frustrated as they entered the ninth inning tied up. We felt a little bit better as they exited the ninth inning tied up. We felt really good when they went into the tenth inning and they scored a run. And Then I checked the update on my phone before I got ready for bed and was devastated again to see that the Rockies had tied it up. I put my phone down in utter disgust and got ready for bed. At this time, it was horribly late. If you missed the game, you have every reason to uh, not be mad at yourself. Um, But about five or ten minutes later, I checked my phone again, and the score informed me that my Bravos had gone up 6-2 to in the 11th inning, and I was so excited. I assumed they won. I did not check it again this morning. I'm not going to lie. So if they didn't, please don't tell me. I'm just going to live in my lie. You know, I missed everything. I missed everything in the middle. I don't actually know what happened that brought about this sudden eruption in scoring. I missed the whole thing. But, you know, I didn't miss it because it was not present for me to see. I didn't miss it because I was unaware. I missed it because I laid my phone down. I missed it because I turned it off. I missed it because, just to be totally honest, I was exhausted and tired of looking at anything and wanted to go to bed at night. We pick ourselves, we we don't pick ourselves up, but we pick up this story of Acts right here in Acts chapter 7. We've been working our way through Acts now. For most of this year. And We pick the story up. After Stephen has been arrested. The Bible says in Acts chapter 6 verse 15. that They gazed at him and they sat in the council and saw his face like the face of an angel. They had nothing bad they could say about this guy. You see Stephen was pretty close to getting off the hook. If he could just wiggle his way just a little bit. He didn't have to say a whole lot. They had to make up things to keep him in the place where he was. But given an opportunity in front of this people, rather than recant his message and walk away a free man, Stephen saw this as an opportunity to proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He saw this as an opportunity to defend his faith, and in so doing, Stephen brings us to the point we are in Acts chapter 7, where he looks at them and he says, you have resisted the Holy Spirit, as a matter of fact, what he says is you always resist the Holy Spirit. This morning I ask you this question. Why do you resist the Spirit? You see, in all honesty, when it comes to the things of the Lord, many of us are a whole lot like me with the Braves game last night. It's not as though we don't have access to the truth. It's not as though we don't know how we can find the truth. The reality is we're just not that interested and we put it down and walk away. This morning as we wrestle with Acts chapter 7 and God's revelation of himself, I want us to see three ways that God has revealed himself and then I want us to close it out this morning wrestling with that question of why it is that we resist the Spirit of God. The first thing we see this morning is that God has revealed himself in creation. God has revealed himself in creation. The Bible says in verse 44 of chapter 7, Our fathers had the tent of witness in the wilderness, just as he who spoke to Moses dragged him to make it. But folks, if you'll remember, it was not just in the wilderness that God had revealed himself to Moses through this tent, that God had revealed himself in the burning bush. There in creation, God had revealed himself to Moses. Folks, I want you to know that God has revealed himself to you and to I in creation. If you have your Bible, you could turn over to Romans chapter 1. I'm going to read a long passage from Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. The Bible says this, and look, if you don't know, Romans is the very next book in the Bible. So it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then Romans, okay? Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Folks, do you see what this passage tells us this morning? This passage tells us that the only way to miss God's revelation in the world around you is to suppress the truth. The only way to miss God's revelation in the world around you is to suppress the truth. Even in our scientific explanations of the world, they have to begin at the pre-scientific level. When we look at creation, we have to at some point wrestle with the question of how did anything that exists come to be? When all is said and done, we have to decide where we are going to begin. God anticipated our naturalistic explanations all the way back in Romans chapter 1. Think of it this way. Everything you've ever known to exist came about because someone or something created it. To believe that all we know to exist today came about without a creator is an argument from silence. What is an argument from silence? I should probably explain what that is, shouldn't I? An argument from silence is when you don't actually have an evidence that something exists and so you you claim that the lack of evidence is proof that the thing itself actually exists. So when we say that something could arise from nothing, it's an argument from silence because we never actually beheld in the history of all the world anything that would arise from absolutely nothing. Does that make sense? Shake your head yes, that's good. Y'all should know I'm on jet lag and very little sleep. If I make sense, it is because God is good and gracious and kind to all of us this morning. If I say something that seems a little bit out there, y'all just kind of give me that look that will remind me that I've gone off the rails and I'll try to bring it back, okay? That was supposed to be funny? You see, when we make an argument that something would arise from nothing, it's an argument that goes against everything that we've ever observed. In other words, it is an effort to suppress the truth. We have to suppress the truth to miss God's revelation in the world around us. We have to cover our eyes and our ears and refuse to believe. This past week, Angela and I have been in Alaska. We had a wonderful time. But I'm going to tell you, when you behold the beauty and the grandeur of God's creation in the natural world, we have to suppress the truth to convince ourselves that such beauty could exist without a beautiful creator God. We have to cover our eyes, we have to cover our ears, we have to run around like a child refusing to believe. I I don't want to hear it. We run all the way down to the end of Romans 1 and we see what this suppression of truth is. I'm going to actually turn over there with you. In Romans chapter 1, Beginning in verse 26, the Bible says, For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For the women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, They're full of envy, murder, strive, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. Isn't that tough that that one's wrapped up in there with these lists of huge sins? Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree, you see that? Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. In other words, when we suppress the truth, we reach a level in our lives where we're willing to call sin righteousness and righteousness sin. When we suppress the truth, when we run all the way to this point, we see that the results of this suppression reaches the place that in an effort to subvert God God and to deny his existence, people attempt to turn nature on its head, even exchanging natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. And why? Because in so doing, the effort is made to deny the very existence of the God who created and instilled this natural world and this natural law. How do we get to that place? Folks, we have to make conscious decisions and conscious efforts to deny God's existence in this world. When we see the created world and we refuse to acknowledge the God who has created these things. God has revealed himself in creation. And the only reason that we do not give him glory, honor, and praise for having done so is because we are sinful humans clinging to our own sinful desires rather than submitting ourselves to the God who has created all things. The only way to miss God's revelation in the world around you is to suppress the truth. And folks, suppression of the truth is an act of the will that requires volitional effort. God's revealed Himself in creation. Why do you resist the Spirit? Creation screams the glory and the grandeur of God. Why do you resist? second this morning not only has god revealed himself in creation but god's revealed himself in his word the bible is god's written revelation of himself to mankind to the entire world the god or excuse me the bible is god's letter to us screaming i am here and i desire to be in a relationship with you just this morning i came across a tweet from tony evans that really sums up our rejection of God's word well. Why don't people trust God's word? Tony Evans says it this way. People reject the Bible not because it contradicts itself. They reject the Bible because it contradicts them. People don't reject the Bible because it contradicts itself. People reject the Bible because it contradicts them. Yeah, We'll try to couch it in other terms a lot of times. People speak of science or ancient literature or attempt to dismiss the Bible as simply a work of men. But why? The reality is we do that. You do that. Others do that. Because you don't like what it has to say. Nobody's ever come to me at the end of a funeral and rejected Psalm 23. Nobody ever came to me and said, how dare you read that as God's word? No, they come and they are grateful That just as we sang this morning, the Lord is our shepherd. We have all that we need. We celebrate God's goodness in that because why? It says what we want to hear. It feels good. People love the parts of the Bible that say what they like. that say what they agree with or what makes them comfortable. But when we begin to teach a biblical view of sexuality or marriage or of salvation, immediately... These words are condemned as outdated or dismissed as simply the opinions of some man. But why? Because we don't like what they have to say. But folks, we must not miss the truth. God has revealed himself to us in his word. Stephen right here speaks of this when he makes reference to the prophets who Israel rejected. He says to them, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. But look at how he says that they resisted the Holy Spirit. Watch. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? Folks, when we think about the Holy Spirit, we sometimes mess this up as this sort of experience-based thing all the time. Now, the Holy Spirit works in ways that sometimes move far beyond our ability to clearly explain this in words and in language. He sometimes speaks in groans that are too deep for us. He intercedes on our behalf. But when Stephen says that this stiff-necked people have resisted the Holy Spirit, he ties it in with their resistance to God's prophets. What are God's prophets? They are God's mouthpiece speaking God's words to God's people. He says, you stiff-necked people, you've resisted the Holy Spirit when you refuse to submit and surrender to the Word of God. Folks, why are we so stiff-necked? Why are we so prideful and hard and arrogant? We're no better than Israel. We're all tempted to reject the messages that we do not like. I've been doing this long enough that I tend to know which sermons are going to get me pats on the back, and which sermons are going to get me those sideways glances, right? Everybody loves it when I preach some messages. Nobody gets excited when I talk about tithing. Some of y'all do because you tithe. The truth of the matter is, some of y'all would stand up and celebrate because of God's joy that you've received in that. But others, well, they don't want to hear that because tithing gets in the way of the boat payment, so they're mad at me because I said it. We tend to get frustrated with those parts of God's Word that run against us. Why? Because we're stiff-necked people that don't want to be told what to do. I mean, this is America. We're free. You don't tell us what to do. We make our own rules. Except when it comes to God's Word, we're not allowed to. We're not entitled to. No, God's Word stands over us. God's Word directs us. It speaks into us, speaks against us. It leads us, it guides us, and it directs us. And in it, God has revealed himself. God says, this is who I am. This is what I do. And in love, God says, this is how I expect you to live. God says to us, hey, this is what a follower of Jesus looks like. Do you know what grace there is in God that he's not sitting up in heaven without giving us expectations and he's just cursing us for every time we step out of line and said, God has said, these are the expectations of my people. And this isn't just a New Testament thing, is it? When he gave his law on Mount Sinai, he spoke to Israel and he said, you are my people and I am your God. And then he said... These are my expectations for you. Do you know that God didn't say, If you'll do these things, then I will be your God and you'll be my people. And he said, You are my people. These are my expectations. In other words, God's word is given to us in the way that a good father gives rules and expectations to his children. So in our home, for instance, my children have heard from at least one parent. Okay, it's me. They've heard from both of us, and they've heard your children have heard from you. It doesn't matter what your friends do. In this house, this is who we are, and this is what we do. These are our expectations. This is what will define our family. This is how the world will perceive our family, because this is how we will behave. Now, as parents, it's super important that we look at our children and we say, I love you, and this is my expectation. Not do this and I'll love you. No, no, no. I love you regardless, but this is my expectation. Folks, that's what God's Word is for us. God's Word says, I love you. Matter of fact, John three sixteen says that God so loved the world that he sent his only Son. God's Word is God's revelation to us, and it's his invitation to us. And Stephen looks at these people and he says, You stiff-necked people. God has been sending His Word over and over and over again. Have you considered God's grace to you to allow you to be born in a place where you can have such easy and ready access to the Word of God? To be born in a country where you are allowed to own your own copy of God's Word? in its entirety, in any translation that is comfortable for you to read? Do you marvel at God's goodness in allowing you to be born in a place where you may be in a home where there are multiple copies of God's Word? And do you ever consider your own stiff-necked response to allow your Bible to collect dust on the table as you walk past it? God's revealed himself in his word. Check this out. And he's made it accessible. You don't have to have an advanced degree to understand the word of God. Because the word of God is approachable and understandable and in it he's revealed himself. Why do you resist the spirit? You're without excuse because he's revealed himself in creation. You're without excuse because he's revealed himself in his word. And finally this morning, you're without excuse because God has revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. I'm going to give you a statement this morning that's pretty basic. Any one of you could have preached. God showed his love for you on the cross. God showed his love for you on the cross. It's really important that we live there for a few minutes today because as basic as this is, As basic as many of you that grew up in the South and went to vacation Bible school, as basic as this understanding of God's Word and God's love is, that you would have had it really just pounded into your head over and over and over again as a child, that God loves you and showed His love for you on the cross of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you that there is no more important message for our world to hear today than God loves you and showed that love on the cross of Jesus Christ? For any of you who have a passion for apologetics, I need you to hear this this morning. Many of you that have been trained in apologetics have been trained to defend the Word of God. You've been trained to defend the revelation of God. You've been trained to defend God's existence through creation. Can I tell you that in the world that we live in right now, in 2022, the greatest apologetic Apologetics, by the way, is, is just it comes from a Greek word apologia that means defense. Apologetics means a defense of the Christian faith. The greatest apologetic that our world needs is this apologetic. God showed his love for you on the cross of Jesus Christ. I get an opportunity to spend a decent amount of time with teenagers. Adam spends his time with lots of students. Sometimes, sometimes 100, 150 a week. He will often ask them what are the questions that they're wrestling with. Do you know what we're not hearing from any of our teenagers anymore? Did God create the world? Explain to us physics? Can you help me to understand string theory? Can somebody speak to me about the second law of thermodynamics? Nobody cares. Do you know what these kids are asking over and over and over again? Why do I feel so sad all the time? Why does life hurt so much? Does God love me? Can God love me? Christians, listen to me. We're missing the boat when we're spending all of our time trying to beat somebody over the head when what they need to hear is that God loves them right where they are and desires more for them. He desires to lift them up from the miry clay and to set their feet on the rock that is Jesus Christ. We live in a world that needs to be told over and over and over again that God loves you right where you are. You see, the existential question... The existential questions are shifting. Our young people are not nearly as concerned with where they came from as why in the world they are here. Can I tell you that we've been playing from behind? We've spent so much time trying to make sure we had all the facts right. That we forgot that the facts have got to drive us to more. Jesus had all of the facts right, but the facts drove him to live a life of reckless abandon. I shouldn't say reckless, that's not true. Of complete abandonment for, for, for his God. Jesus never wandered, he never wavered. His convictions drove him to action, and the action That mattered the most was his death on the cross. God has revealed himself to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And God's character is revealed no more clearly than on the cross of Jesus Christ. Because on the cross where Jesus died. The justice and the mercy and the grace of God. Collide. Heaven and hell meet. And Christ has overcome. Jesus died so that we might live. The world wants to know if they are loved. And there are some of you here today who want to know if you are loved. Who want to know if you can be loved. Sometimes the questions get harder. If God loves me, then why do I feel this way? If God loves me, then why did this happen? If God loves me, then why did that happen? Some years ago, I was engaged in a a conversation with a guy who was not a believer. And our conversation went all over the place. Big questions of astronomy I struggled to keep up with and questions of the nature of creation. And finally I just had done all I could to answer his questions and I looked at him and I said, I said, buddy, I feel like there's something else here. I, I really get the feeling that your resistance to the message that I'm offering doesn't have a whole lot to do with this because your, your arguments are relatively weak. You seem to be grasping at straws and every answer that I give you, you've got another question. So why don't you tell me what's really bothering you? He said, if God is real and loves me, why did my aunt die? I miss her. Stephen said, you stiff-necked people, you always resist the Holy Spirit. Why do you resist today? Perhaps today is the day when you would be willing to be actually honest about your resistance. We spend a lot of time trying to convince people that God exists. We spend a lot of time trying to convince people that God's word is true. But let's be honest this morning. Few of you gathered in this place actually doubt God's existence. You look at the world around you. You know that God is real. See, it's not a lack of evidence that keeps you from giving your life to Christ. It's not a lack of evidence that keeps you from living your life for Jesus. What's the real issue? Where's the real hurt for you? What's the hang up? What are you mad about? We live in a pretty politically correct world. In our politically correct world, we rarely look at somebody and call them stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart. But can I say some hard things to you this morning? Just like Those that Paul wrote to in Romans, you're without excuse. God's creation screams of his glory, God's word tells of his existence, and the cross of Jesus Christ teaches you God's love. You may have questions, you may have frustrations, you may have anger. But perhaps today would be the day when you'd just be willing to be honest about it. You'd stop hiding behind your questions. Stop hiding behind your excuses. And today would be the day that you'd say to the Lord Jesus, God, I don't want to believe in you because of this in my life. Or perhaps you'd be honest and say, God, I don't believe that I am lovable because of this in my life. God, I don't believe that I can be forgiven because of this in my life. Perhaps you'd be honest. Perhaps you'd be willing this morning to look in a sort of spiritual mirror and tell the truth. You've been stiff-necked and hard-hearted. Maybe you've hidden it behind a facade of False humility. Perhaps you've hidden it with all of your questions. Some of you have questions, but you're not actually seeking answers. You're just looking for excuses. So this morning, I ask you very simply, why do you resist the Spirit? What keeps you today from giving your life to Jesus Christ? What new excuse can you conjure up? John Calvin, famous theologian, said that our hearts are idol factories. And that's true, isn't it? But we're left to our own devices. We can just come up with all sorts of things that we want to worship and give our attention to. But I can tell you that my heart's also an excuse factory. I can come up with more excuses and not do something that I don't want to do. I mean, I'm really good at making excuses about things I do want as well. You need know, y'all really good at creating an excuse to buy something you really want. I've been there. You have. But man, when I don't want to do something, I can come up with all kinds of excuses. Adam and I were talking a few weeks ago. I don't even know where he's at. He's in here somewhere. But Adam and I were talking a few weeks ago, and something was suggested about something we could do here. And he walked into my office with like 15 different excuses for why it wouldn't work. And I listened and then I looked at him and I said, how many of those are legitimate? He said, not a single one. I just don't really want to do it. Can we cut through all the mess in your life and be honest about the fact that some of you are hiding behind excuses that are completely illegitimate? You've not finally surrendered to Jesus not because you've got a really good excuse because you just don't want to. Will you stop hiding today? Will you stop running? Will you stop being stiff-necked and surrender to Jesus Christ? What's in it for you? everlasting life. John 3.16 says that God loved the world so much that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. See, we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory, but the promise that we receive from God's Word is if we would confess Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, He would deliver us, not only from eternal damnation, He would deliver us from our sin and our shame. He rescues us Oh, but the lies that we believe is that this is as good as it can be. Can I tell you that the truth of Jesus Christ is greater than the enemy's lie? Maybe you've told yourself that you're not savable or forgivable. Maybe you've really worked diligently to convince yourself that God isn't everything that he claims to be. But maybe this morning you recognize that you've just stuck your fingers in your ears and you've closed your eyes. And you refuse to believe the truth that's clear in front of you. And the truth is this. God loves you in spite of you. Just like he loves me in spite of me. And today, he wants to set you free. From your sin and your shame. This morning, if you came here looking for hope. I would love Introduce you to Jesus Christ, the author of hope, the finisher of our faith. We're going to stand in just a minute and sing. And when we do, this altar will be open. Perhaps some of you need to come and just lay your burdens to Jesus. There's nothing magical about praying, but I can tell you this sometimes it's freeing to publicly surrender ourselves before Christ. Lay our burdens down before him symbolically. Some of you here today may need a relationship with Jesus. You came here to be set free. This morning when we stand and sing, would you come? I would love to introduce you to Jesus Christ. Perhaps you're here today and you're ready to take the next step in membership. However it is that the Lord's at work in your life as we stand and sing. Would you come? Stand with me this morning. Father in heaven. God, we are all guilty of resisting the spirit. I pray today that you would break down our defenses. And we find ourselves surrendered. And set free. Lord God, forgive us for being stiff-necked break through our defenses. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Stand with us and sing, I stand amazed.